I'm so organized today. I'm just about to tell everybody that we're pretty relaxed here. I don't even need a microphone to speak. <laughs> I, uh, I'd just like to have a big welcome. It is fun to be out there and to uh, welcome family. Isn't it feel like family coming to church? It's like, oh, I'm home. It's like I have a place, and uh, I love to welcome family. And I love to welcome family family. If you are here as friends or family uh, with somebody who is a part of our family, I hope we can sit back and relax because we are a relaxed place. If you're new here, if you are new here, I hope you can truly enjoy, enjoy what, uh, what we are doing uh, here at Church on the Rock. Well, I, um, I have a, did, did, did we get those things out there? We did. Okay, hold on. Okay. No, we didn't yet. Are you going to do this now? Okay, we're going to do this. Okay, I've got this thing with my wife, all right? Okay, no, okay, no, yeah, we're not being that public. Okay, go ahead. And uh, what, what's, what's happening is we want people to be able to sit close, especially, you know, if you're used to Church on the Rock, if you're, you know, you, you come here, uh, we want you to actually sit a little closer to the front to give our guests the, the keen, the best seats at the back so uh, donuts are being handed out to the front row people. Oh, and you can't move up to the front row now. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, well, uh, let me pray as the donuts are being handed out, and uh, we, will, uh, we will get into the message. Heavenly Father, you are good all the time. In Easter, we celebrate your goodness. Thank you for community and friends and family. Thank you for good worship and donuts. <laughs> Thank you for this message, God. Come. And move in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, uh, I heard a, pa- a story about a pastor who was helping uh, somebody who was on their way to God. They'd never read the Bible before, so he, they suggested, you should read one of the Gospels. So he started in the book of Luke, started with the Christmas story, and made it all the way through, the, through the, to the end. And the pastor got together with him and said, oh, so how do you, you think about How do you feel about this? And he said, I, I hated the story. Why? He said, because my favorite character got killed. He said, did did you finish it? He said, no, I didn't like it so much, I didn't finish it. He said, well, well, you should read the end, because the end is really good, because this is what Easter is about, that not only did Jesus die, but he came alive again. And this, for the Christian, is a Super Bowl, better than any Super Bowl, it's better than Christmas, what? Yes, it is. It is the culmination and the reason for Christmas. It is also amazing for many other reasons because it answers a series of life questions. There are some huge questions that press on us in life. It's interesting. You might not even know that these questions are so necessary, but they are. If you get it wrong, you start to build your life on this sort of crooked foundation and, and these, these questions, if they're not answered, if they're just sort of continually pushed off, eventually you wake up one day and say, hold on, I think I just built my life on a lie, something that is tilted, something that's wrong, and someday it's going to crash down around us. Nobody, nobody out in the world is, is asking you these questions. These are questions that we all have to figure out sometimes. And the deal is, not only Christmas, whole life of Jesus, but particularly Easter, answers them all. Answers them all. I'm going to go over three questions I believe 
that life gives us that we need answers to, and then how actually Easter answers each of these questions. First question is this, how do you know what's true? How do you know what's true? You go, hold, hold on, I don't, even, I don't even think about that one. That's not even the front of my mind. I, I remember reading a story about this uh, college young woman. She, uh, she goes to a different city for college, gets off the bus. Some very nice people help her with their bags, and they're, they're amazingly kind to her. And, and they, they say, hey, listen, we're a religious organization. Come on, and, and why don't you hang out with us? And she did, and they talked about feeding the poor. And they said, come on, let, let's have a, uh, a retreat. And so she went on a retreat, and she loved it so much. And they ate lots of macaroni and cheese, stayed up late and had discussions like a lot of retreats do. And eventually said, hold on, I like this group so much, I'm going to quit college and just spend my time with this religious group. Well, eventually they said that uh, the leader of the group, it was moving to, uh, to, the, uh, to the area, and they needed to buy a house for him to stay because he's that special. And so they're trying to raise funds for him, and so they asked her if they could borrow her credit cards. So they rang up her credit cards, and she was going selling little bags of peanuts, $5, door-to-door to buy a house for the head of a religious movement. She said something snapped when she went to the door, and this woman said, I want to help the poor, and can you... Can you take food stamps? So she was giving food stamps to be able to buy something so this guy could have a house. And she said something broke in her house, in her head. She went and discovered, hold on, she was in a cult called the Moonies, and that she was actually lied to. And, and, and so I asked, why didn't you figure that one out? That, that, maybe you should have, and I, I've tried this one with some people, but, but Dave, they were nice. They were nice. They're helping the poor. They're helping the poor. How do you know what's true? How do you know at true what's true? At the end of life, I don't want to be able to look back and say, hold on, I've been chasing a lie all my, my life. Truth, what is true, gives meaning and fulfillment and peace. That all comes from truth. Our culture says, well, what their answer to what is truth, they say, basically, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Buy a burger and watch another movie. That's, that's the answer. There's another question that, uh, that is just a huge life question. How can I know there's a God? How can I know there's a God? I, I, mean, I mean, a lot of people just don't even want to think about that because that sort of freaks them out. I'm, I'm going to push that one off a little bit because I don't, I'm not sure if I want to even think about that. I mean, sometimes you go and look at this beautiful world and you say, how could this be a, just a, a bunch of chances coming together? But you say, hold on, hold on, I, I just don't want to think about the God thing because it's just too scary. I've had so many conversations with people, and they say, well, Dave, I believe in science. You go, yeah? And? And? They say, well, well I, that proves it. Proves nothing. Did, did you know that 78.3% of Nobel science winners are Christians? Do you know that? As, as one writer said, if you just sip at the cup of science, you might become an atheist, you drink down to the bottom of it, and you become a believer in God because of the beauty and the complexity of this world. How can I know there's a God? How can I know? And our culture says, I don't know. I don't know. Just be the best person you can. Hope, hope for the best. Hope it works out. Another big question in life, how, how do I know what happens after death? How do we, I know what happens after death. In North America, we hide death. We don't let kids to go to funerals. Anywhere else in the world, there's death all over the place. And it's just, it's just, it's seen. We live in a civilized country 
And so we just don't think about death. A little bit of a, um, <laughs> I'm a wee bit of a hypochondriac, just a wee bit, not, not a whole bunch. Uh, actually, I can put up with pain a lot, but if something's wrong with me, I think I'm dying. That's happened for a lot of years, for decades. Oh, I got a pain. Oh, now I got a pain in my stomach. I've got cancer. All right? No, okay, I've got a pain in my leg. It's, can- it's always cancer. I don't know. It's, uh, it's always, I'm always going to die. And, you know, some people around me might roll their eyes, but can I tell you something weird? Here's something weird. One day it's going to be true, right? One day it's going to be true because every one of us is going there. And even if we go, no, I don't want to think about it, it's something we probably should think about. Our culture says, well, I don't know. I don't know. Eat a salad and think about vacations. That's our, you know, (laughs) eat a salad. Kale, perhaps. (laughs) Easter has the answer to each one of these questions with clarity. With clarity. That's why Easter is so big for followers of Jesus. Not because our parents told us so. Not because we believe in some myth to make us comfortable. Nothing that inspires us. It's not a good story that inspires us. Nothing could be further than from the truth. Christians believe this is real. This is an historic Jesus who historically died on a Roman cross and historically rose from the dead and proved it. Proved it. There's many reasons to believe this, but I'm gonna list just a few, and these are just people, this is the people. There's this guy called Matthew, an eyewitness to Jesus. He was a tax collector, pushed outside the Jewish community, like in tight with the Romans, making a wonderful wage. This Matthew, all of a sudden, he meets Jesus, is forgiven by him, he sees him crucified, he goes and meets him risen from the dead, and he changes his life, his whole life is turned around, so now he loves his Jewish roots. He goes back and searches through all the Jewish scriptures, and he writes this beautiful book called Matthew, where, where he tells Jesus' story, and he puts, and the Old Testament says this, and this, and this, and this, and the Old Testament is all through that. He's embracing the Jewish roots that he had rejected his entire life, and that's because something happened to him. Mark, a Gentile, a Greek, he should have no horse in this race whatsoever. He is like, he's like, okay, this is a Jewish Messiah, Jewish dude, why would I care? Until, until Mark was a writer. He was a writer. He, it was asked, you know, get, make sure he brings his parchments and depends. He's a writer. And the beautiful thing, so, so Mark goes and spends some time with Peter. And Peter, that fisherman might not have been able to write things down really well back then. He said, no, this is what happened. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. And Mark just wrote it all down and got it out there for the world. Luke, another Greek person, a doctor, a scientist of his day, he said, I thoroughly researched. I talked to many, many witnesses, eyewitnesses, and I get it. Jesus was tortured, killed on a Roman cross, put in a solid stone tomb, and then Guess what? He rose again. Luke wrote the details of politicians' names, the details of death that we don't get in any of the other writers. Then John, the closest friend of Jesus, he was a fisherman. 
He could have gone back to his net. But, but he records the details of conversations with individuals that other people hadn't. He just gets down into the minutia of what really happened. Why? Because he was an eyewitness. He knew it all, the names of officials, the names of servants. He was so detailed in this. And yet he said, listen, Jesus Christ, he died. He was killed on a Roman cross. He was put in a solid stone tomb and he rose again. My favorite, James, the younger brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus. Through the gospels, we find out James is not a believer of Jesus. He says, I don't know. You know, this is like, okay, whatever. You go and do your thing, Jesus. And then within days, he is now calling his older brother God. Okay, reflective questions for those who have older brothers. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was God? What would he have to do? And, and this isn't an environment where if you said that, you, you could be jailed. If you said that, your life could be taken. So this is no power grab. This is no, he could be killed for saying this. Something happened that changed his mind. Paul swore an enemy of, of Christians, torturing them to deny their faith. He encounters Jesus, turns from being the hunter to the hunted. And he writes this 20 years after Jesus died and rose again. 20 years. This is not a myth that developed over hundreds of years. This isn't people sitting around a campfire, as one of my buddies said. Dave, they must have been just sitting around there choking on some weed and made up the story, right? This is 20 years. 20 years after it happened. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 to 7. From what I received, I passed on to you of, as a first importance. This is the key of our faith. This is the, the, the center of everything we believe. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Matthew goes, yeah, yeah, you got that part right. Good. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. And then to the twelve, he went and and make sure he appeared physically to the 12 where they could touch his hands and see the hole in his hands. They could touch his side to where the spear went in. They saw him and touched him to such a degree they were changed in a minute. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, he's not even mentioning people that he walked on the road to Emmaus with. He, he, Jesus went and just showed up a lot of places. But somewhere there were 500 people. Jesus shows up. He says, hey <laughs> And he goes around and says hi to each other. And they touch him and they see him. And, then, and just to put an exclamation mark on this, Paul says, uh, and most of them are still living. In other words, go talk to them. Go ask them. They're the ones that are going and spreading the good news. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to his little brother, James. All these people are going crazy over my older brother. Hey, buddy, I'm here. It's real. And the little brother, James, falls to his knees and calls him, my Lord, my God. And that convinces me. <laughs> that just convinces me. This is why. We take the Easter story so seriously. This is why we believe Jesus died and really came back to life. The first Easter transformed the first Jesus followers. They were the hunted. They, 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 they were hiding. 
they're getting out of town. In a moment, they're going from town to town telling others that he was alive. They didn't teach people to turn the other cheeks, give to the poor. The first thing they kept on saying was one message and one message alone. Jesus died and he rose again. This is real. It's one thing he said over and over again. You, they were asking people to believe the unbelievable, that a person could be killed, murdered in the most torturous ways, flogged half to death, could, wasn't able to breathe on a cross, bled out, finally struck by a spear in his heart. That's as dead as dead can get. And yet, he appeared to us all, and we touched his side, and we saw where the spear went in. And he looked really good. <laughs> See, the thing is, the movement of Jesus' followers should have died with Jesus. It was too unbelievable. The ancients weren't stupid. They knew what death was. They were asked to believe the unbelievable truth. Yet it sped, spread to thousands within days, then tens of thousands. As far as Rome, just within a few, four, few years, the cost was far too high. The facts were so unbelievable for, something, for nothing else to happen other than this happened. The thing I, that, that impresses me is Peter and John, who were in the courtyard and saw what they did to Jesus as they struck him over and over again, stood before the very same the very same court, the Sanhedrin, the very same people, Peter and John. You know what they did? They told him off. You killed God. What were you thinking? It's like, who, what happened to you guys? You should be hiding, afraid of us. You know what we did to Jesus? Bring it on. We saw him alive. Oh. For the last 2,000 years, Jesus is alive, has changed people's lives. Jesus truly died and rose again. You may say it's unbelievable, and I get it, I get it. It is unbelievable unless there's a God. Philosopher uh, Francis Schaeffer said this, the, the universe is only one of two things, a personal universe or impersonal universe. If an impersonal universe where beauty, intelligence, and joy has sprung up by merely chaos, pure chance, if that's really how it is, if our universe is impersonal, then it makes no sense. Our lives are meaningless. There is no love. There's only chemicals. There are no decisions. You are already programmed by your genes. You are just breathing in, breathing out, until you stop. That's it. Or the universe is very personal. We're a personal God who designed the most beautiful place you could imagine, knows you better than you know yourself, and loves you to the heights because he went to rescue you, to tear down that barrier between you and him. See, everything's possible if there's a God, isn't there? Including including the raising of a son from the grave. If there's a God, then to believe the unbelievable makes sense. It just makes sense. So let's go back to those questions. Why is this our Super Bowl? Easter means you can know what is true, and you can know what is real. You can know 
Why can, why can you know this? How, how do you know this? When Jesus was on earth, he goes into the temple. He's clearing over the tables, kicking them over, whipping people to, to move out of there because his house is a house of prayer. And finally, all the religious people with the pointy hats come in, and they come in and say, why are you doing this? Who are you? And, and uh, in other words, prove to us that you have the authority to do this. And he whips around and says, well, you can't really prove something, you know, it's just blind faith. No, he says, I will prove this to you. Kill this temple, destroy this temple. I will raise it in three days. That's my proof that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Christians, we know what is true. As Jesus said in John 18, 37, Jesus responded, you, you, you said I'm a king. He's talking, he's talking to Pilate. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. So when you read Jesus' story, he is speaking truth. He's speaking, this is what reality is. This is what real things are. And I will tell you what they are. And all who love the truth recognize what I say is true. Everyone has their own version of reality. Be angry about this, shock, sad, pay attention to me. And Jesus says, I'm the truth. If you want to know what life is about, come to me. Look to me and we'll figure it out. I will tell you. Easter means we can know what is true. And his name is Jesus. Easter means that you know there is a God because if Jesus died and rose again, it is unbelievable unless there is a God. And he did. And so there is a God. And not only is there a God, there's a God that wants you. He wants you so desperately. He sent a part of himself to pay your debt so he could know you. That is the love of God that has run after you. Is, is they're pursuing you and saying, I love you, come to me. And so we know there's a God. Easter means that God wants you in the best of ways. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Easter answers these questions. We can know truth. Because of Jesus. We can know that God wants you. There's no greater love than someone who has laid down their life for you. And that is the love of God. Easter means that I too will live beyond the grave. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he promised that he's preparing a place for you. If you are a believer, if you stepped into a relationship with God, you know you're going to heaven. And, and, and that offends some people because they think it's like a, it's a good, good or bad thing. Are you really good enough to go? No, you're not. None of you are. Listen, I know some of you, all right? You're, none of you are good enough, all right? <laughs> Man, <laughs> flat out. Guess what? I'm not good enough. None of us here are good enough. Heaven is not for good people, for forgiven people, for forgiven people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because Jesus rose from the grave, he says he's preparing a place for me. We don't want to think about death. I get it. We're in that culture. But come on, Christian. Come on. Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> Great thing. You know what, in 10, 20, 30 years, for some of you, that will be the thing that you hold on to, the Easter story. Jesus said in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who has sent me have 
eternal life. It's faith. You just believe. Isn't that wild? But, but, but Dave, Dave, this life's just way too easy, man. <laughs> Don't you have to do like, like belief actually means they have to go and serve it. No, no. Thief on the cross? How much did he do to impress God? He, he lived a horrible life up until the, he died and he said, I believe. Isn't that awesome? You know why? Because when we get into heaven, nobody's going to go, huh, I made it. What about George? Huh, guess he didn't make it. <laughs> Nobody. We're all going to go, my God. I don't deserve this. But your grace has given me forever life. Yeah. We're all on the same plane here. Nobody but us chickens here, okay? We all go to heaven or not, whether we have trusted God with our eternity, just just believe. So you have to believe his message. What's his message? John described this, as Jesus said in, in John 3. And this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes, any one of you, you might be from a different religious background. You might be an atheist. You might not have grown up in a Christian world. You might not have believed in God until you walked in through these doors. And now you're wondering, anyone and everyone who believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. What does that take? You just need to believe that he died and rose again and then trust your life to him. The, the word faith and trust are, are very much in, interchangeable. You say, God, I'm, I'm just going to give you my life. I believe you died and rose again and paid for my sin. <laughs> so we celebrate this one historic event because we believe it's history. We believe that this event is amazing. Because it answers life's biggest questions. I, if you have never made your faith personal, I am going to invite you to do that now, today on Easter. That you can look back, Easter 2023 is your day. That's the day you said yes to God. In a moment, I'm going to do that. And you can be sure of eternal life. Today. Today. What could be better than that? And what an Easter day that will be. Those of us who are believers, come on. It's worship time, isn't it? <laughs> worship time. I, uh, I have a written out prayer, and we don't often do written out prayers here. But I'm going to put this on the screen. I'd like us to pray it together, believers. If you're a believer, I'd like you to do this. And, and that means to say it out loud, just to be clear. We're going to say it all, all, all out loud together. Let me just read it to you to, to show you what it is. You are the truth. This is answering God's question. So show me the way. Jesus, I believe you're the truth. Uh, you are God, and I'm your child. That's, that's what you do when you become a Christian. 
you're preparing a place for me. That's just good. That just is going to lead us to worship, isn't it, Christians? All right. Let's pray this together. Pray with me. Here we go. You are the truth. Show me the way. You are God. I am your child. You are preparing a place for me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Easter. That answers every one of these. Amen. Ask our worship team to come on up. I'm not done yet. Our, there's a story I love, and uh, I've, I've given it in the past, but as I was asking God, how do I close this off, the story came back to my mind fairly clear, so it's probably for somebody out here. <laughs> it was a story about a little girl. A little girl had uh, some uh, plastic pearls. Ever, ever seen those ones, plastic pearls? And you know there's green plastic underneath them, but they're painted white, right? And they get worn off, worn off until the little bits of green show. She loved that little set of pearls, and she would wear them everywhere she went. And she would, like, show them off and bat her eyelashes and say, aren't my pearls pretty? And all, all that stuff, right? And, uh, you, know, you know, mom say, hey, can you take the pearls off when you have a bath? No, they have to stay on because they're my pearls. <laughs> and so she just kept them on for years. It was great. And uh, the dad knew what was going to happen. These things are going to get turned more and more green, right? <laughs> and so he had a special surprise for her. So one night he said, hey, honey, I want you to give me your pearls. And she said, no. No, dad. I, no. You, I don't want to give you my pearls. They're my, okay, I'm going to ask you again. But I want those pearls of you. Next time he asked, he said, well, they're, they're too small for you. You can't wear them. <laughs> I, I want your pearls. Not ready to give them? That's fine. That's fine. But I want your pearls. It came to a point where, where the little girl said, I love you, Daddy. And I know I love my pearls. <laughs> but I love you more than my pearls. So she took them off and said, here, Daddy. Here's my pearls. <laughs> it's only little girls can, right? The dad had carried around in the back pocket a little ca case, and she opened it up, and it was a set of real pearls. He says, I've been saving this for you because these won't wear out. You'll keep these the rest of your life, and they're worth far more. And he put them on her. That's exactly what God does. He says, uh, I want you to give your life to me. You go, oh, that's a big thing. <laughs> that's really a big thing. My whole life? Yeah, I want your whole life. Because guess what? It's not going to last. It's going to wear out on you. I have something far better for you. It lasts forever. He doesn't push. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't push. He allows for a time when you're ready to say, you have my life. I'm going to lead us in a prayer now, faith, and if you're on the way to God, if this is your time, and I pray that it is, that you can now take off those pearls and say, God, here's my life. Here's my life. Take it. I'm yours. How many of us here have done that, right? And it isn't amazing, right? We step into a living relationship with God himself. So I'm going to pray, and I want you, if you are on the way to God, to pray along with me. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want you now. I'm not sure if I've ever talked to you about this to this degree. But right now, I, I need you. So I give you my life. Take it. It's yours. I believe your son died and rose again and took away all my sins. God, I need you. Come in and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen.